church. And uh, I'm happy to fill in for Aaron while he's away this weekend, enjoying some uh, hopefully relaxing times. Uh, We're going to continue the sermon series we've been doing on the book of Psalms. And this morning we're going to look at Psalm 115. If you have your Bibles or grab a Bible in front of you, we'll also have it up on the screen. Psalm 115. Psalm 115 is known as a psalm of confidence. So we're trying to cover a number of different styles of psalms. And this is a psalm of confidence. We'll talk about exactly what that is in a minute. But I'd like to read through Psalm 115. Okay. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, not to us, but to your name be glory. We pray this morning that we would glorify you and that you would give us your spirit to guide us in your word, to guide the words out of my mouth, and to work on the hearts of all who listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, There's an interesting story recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 14. You don't have to turn there. But the apostle Paul and his partner Barnabas are on a missionary journey and they enter a city called Lystra or Lystra in what is now Turkey, hoping to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. So while Paul is preaching to the crowd, he sees a man and he looks intently at this man. The man is crippled in both feet. He's never been able to walk. And as Paul looks at this man, 
somehow he sees, the Bible says, he sees that he had faith to be healed. And so he says to the guy in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And the man springs up and starts walking around to everybody's amazement. And when the crowds see this, they lift up their voices and say, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they call Zeus, and Paul they say must be Hermes because he's been doing all the talking. See, there's wisdom in keeping your mouth shut. You get to be Zeus. Uh, Paul they called Hermes. He's known as the messenger of the gods. The priest of Zeus is called in, and he brings garlands to crown Paul and Barnabas' heads. He brings bulls to offer sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas are literally tearing their clothes to try to get the people to stop. We're not gods. But the Bible says they could scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. Those Lystrans, how superstitious they were. How primitive, right? To take some ordinary something, in this case someone, a common person, and elevate them as a god. To take something common and turn it into an idol. Brothers and sisters, we do this all the time. We take common things and turn them into ultimate things. And the Bible calls this idolatry. This Psalm 115 is all about the glory of God. Um, Glory rightfully belongs to God. And anytime we give it to something else, we are guilty of idolatry. In this psalm, we're going to learn three reasons why that doesn't work. Okay, three reasons. Uh, We're going to learn that only the living God deserves that kind of glory. Because number one, we don't deserve it. Number two, idols don't deserve it. And number three, he delivers. Okay, so God deserves the glory because we don't deserve it, because idols don't deserve it, and because he delivers. Now, Pastor Aaron has already led us through several different kind of psalms. And like I said, this is a psalm of confidence. A psalm of confidence is kind of like a psalm of thanksgiving, which we've already looked at. The writer is giving thanks He's expressing confidence that God will deliver him. But the difference with a psalm of confidence is that the writer is still experiencing a difficult situation. So he's not out of it yet. Psalm of thanksgiving, you're giving thanks that something's been resolved, it's behind you. A psalm of confidence, you're still stuck in it. But you're giving thanks to God anyway. The reason we need to know about this is because most of us, most of the time, are going through a difficult situation. We're experiencing some kind of trouble, and we need to know how to praise God and be confident that he will deliver us, even in the midst of difficult times. Okay, so we're going to learn that this morning. So first of all, according to this psalm, we owe God the glory because we are not worthy of it. So verse 1 says... Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. There's a story in the book of Acts chapter 12 
not far from the other story, about a ruler named Herod Agrippa. So he was the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod Agrippa ruled during the time of the Apostle Paul. And this one time, a number of nearby nations came together and they said to Herod Agrippa, we'd like to make a treaty with you, a treaty of peace. So Herod Agrippa called them in, and Acts 12, verse 21 records these words. It says, on the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat on the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So if you don't want to be eaten by worms, <laughs> give God, no, that's not the message. Now, Herod Agrippa was a lot more powerful than anyone in this room, okay? He had great power, but even he was not worthy of the glory that only belongs to God. He was also a terrible person, <laughs> but he was not worthy of it. Now, this glory is the honor, fame, and praise and majesty that belongs to God alone because of who he is and what he has done. I mean, God deserves all these things just because of who he is. He's the creator, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he fills everything, he's all-knowing, he's holy, but he also deserves glory for what he has done. Look at verse 1 again. Not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So for the Israelites, this wasn't just a God they were worshiping. He was their God. He had demonstrated steadfast love and faithfulness to them by making a covenant, a promise to Abraham that he was going to make a great nation out of him. He demonstrated his love by rescuing the Israelites from the land of Egypt where they were slaves. He demonstrated love by bringing them into the promised land of Canaan. He demonstrated mercy over and over again to them when they sinned. If you are having trouble giving glory to God in a difficult situation, try to remember that he is not just a God, but he's your God. Or he can be if you come to him by faith in his son Jesus. Think back on a time when he has delivered you, maybe your conversion, or maybe when he answered some prayer. Read about his promises in the Bible and believe that they are true for you. Believe that Jesus died for you, and the Bible says he intercedes for you. He speaks to God the Father on your behalf. You can still give God glory in any situation if you remember these things. We also want to remember this as a church. Not to us, O Lord, not to Grace Church, but to your name be the glory. To your name be the glory for the preaching of the word, 
week after week. To your name be the glory for nurseries that are overflowing. That's difficult, I know. (laughs) To your name be the glory for unbelievers being reborn, for baptisms. We could never accomplish these things, Lord, if it weren't for you. So to your name be the glory. So first, we owe God the glory because we are not worthy of it. We are not worthy. And second, we owe him the glory because idols are not worthy of it. So the Canaanites were living in the land of Canaan before God brought the Israelites in and gave it to them. And they worshipped various gods through carved images of metal, wood, and stone. Uh, Baal and Asherah in particular were favorite gods of the Canaanites. And these were what's known as fertility gods. These gods were seen as responsible for making it rain, making the crops grow. Canaanites were farmers, so this was very important to them. But when God brings the Israelites out of Egypt and gives them the Ten Commandments, he says very specifically, no images. No carved images. Don't worship me that way, and don't worship any other gods that way. No idols. But man, it was tempting when the Israelites got to Canaan to worship with carved images. Most people in that time and place believed that gods were kind of regional. They held power only over a certain part of the land or over a certain aspect of life. So sure, the Canaanites said, your God rescued you from Egypt, but here in Canaan, Baal is in control. If you want to eat, you have to worship Baal. And don't worry, you can worship Yahweh on the side. Baal's also nice because you can carry around an image of him right in your pocket. And you can bring him with you wherever you go. The Israelites didn't have any image they could point to and say, here's our God. And that made them different from the nations around them, or at least it was supposed to. But God says here in Psalm 115, yes, their idols have mouths and noses and eyes and ears, but they can't do anything. They don't do anything. Idols don't deserve glory because they are not gods. In the book of Habakkuk 2, verse 18, it says, the maker of an idol trusts in his own creation. It's no coincidence, if you look at some of the ancient idols that have been dug up, that for the most part they resemble men or women. It's because idols are made in the image of us. And we already learned that we are not worthy of the glory that belongs to God. So idols are worthless. But the truth is, idolatry was never only about carved images. It's really about the heart. It's about the heart. It is about giving glory to anything other than God. Giving something else the glory that God deserves about trusting in something that can't deliver the way God can. 
If you have a Bible, turn to Colossians 3, verse 5. Colossians 3, 5 talks about, 3, verse 4 talks about Jesus returning. It says, since Jesus is coming back, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. So Paul's talking to Christians here. Put to death whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So two things here. First of all, Christians can commit idolatry. Okay, he's writing to Christians, says, don't do that. Second of all, you can commit idolatry even if you've never bowed down to a carved image. Not being content with what you have, which is covetousness, is idolatry. So thinking that if you have that new video game, if you have that new car, if you have that new house, if you have that new boyfriend, if you just have that thing, then you'll be happy or secure or fulfilled, that's idolatry. An idol is anything where you could say, as long as I have God and that, I'll be happy. So as long as I have God and my health, I'll be happy. And your health is an idol, or God and my job, or whatever it is. But God says, you only need me. Turn also to Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus is speaking here. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So if you actually think that you have to believe that something is a God in order to worship it, Jesus kind of blows that out of the water here. He says, money can function as your God if you love it and serve it. It's not personal like Baal or Asherah, but if something functions as your God, that's how you're treating it. If something else takes God's place in your life, if you think that if you have enough of it, you will be secure. Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Clearly, we're all guilty of idolatry. Money obviously isn't really a God. It has no power. But we can live as if having it will give our lives meaning or security. We can do the same with beauty 
or even with friendship, with our children, with good health, all these good things we can turn into ultimate things and they become idols. But of course, an idol cannot really take God's place. Back in Psalm 115, verse 8 says, those who make them, that is idols, those who make them become like them, and so do all who trust in them. So if you make an idol out of money, you tend to become greedy. If you make an idol out of beauty, you tend to become vain. If you make an idol out of power, you could be a bully. If you make an idol out of your health, you might end up a hypochondriac or something. An idol can never deliver on its promises. Idols take from you, but they can never give. They may appear to have hands and feet and eyes and a mouth, but they can never listen to your problems or your prayers. They can never reach out and touch you. They can't forgive your sins. They can't deliver you when you're in trouble. Only the living God can do these things. This brings us to our last point. So we've already said that glory belongs to God because we don't deserve it and because idols don't deserve it. And finally, glory belongs to God because he delivers. That's why he deserves it. He delivers. Let's look at what God does according to this psalm in contrast to do-nothing idols. So Psalm 115, verse 1, he is steadfast in his love and faithfulness. Verse 3, he does all, his, all he pleases. He's completely sovereign and powerful. He doesn't answer to anyone. Verses 9 through 11, he is a help and a shield. He is a help and a shield. He is a help and a shield. Verse 12, he remembers us and will bless us. Verse 14, he gives increase to our families. Verse 15, he made the heavens and the earth. Verse 16, he has given the earth to us as a gift. Thank you, God. Verse 18, he gives eternal life. That's worth looking at a little more closely. Check out verse 17. It says, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. Now, usually when the Bible talks about the dead, it says the dead go down to Sheol or Hades or something like that. This is the only place in the Bible where I found this expression. And the dead go down into silence. It's just like the silent idols that they worshipped. Those who make them and trust in them will be like them. But verse 18 says, But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Forevermore. So how does God give eternal life? Well, through his son, Jesus Christ. Why did God tell his people no images? 
it's because it's like he was saying you could never imagine, you could never conceive in your sinful minds what I am really like. You could never craft an image that captures me. You would make me how you want me to be. That's what our idols are. But then Jesus comes along and Colossians 1 verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Idols have mouths, but they can't speak. They have feet, but they can't walk. They have eyes, but they can't see. The Son of God took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. He took on a a mouth so he could spit on the ground and make saliva and put it on a man's eyes and heal him. He took on hands so that he could reach out and touch a man who had leprosy and make his skin like new. He took on a body so he could hang on a cross to pay for our sins and cry out with his mouth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how God delivers. And for that, he deserves all glory and praise forever and ever. So if you've got a problem with idolatry, and we all do, it doesn't work to just get rid of your idol. That's not enough. You can get rid of your iPhone and still be full of lust, if that's a problem for you. You can give away your possessions and still be greedy. You've got to replace your idol with Jesus Christ. You've got to keep two eyes fixed on Jesus. He will deliver on his promises. He will forgive your sins. He will come back again. And every knee will bow to him and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to give you all the glory, Lord. It's difficult when we're struggling. We thank you that Jesus Christ struggled in our place. We thank you that Jesus Christ paid for the sins that we've committed and that he suffered in our place. Lord, help us to remember Jesus when we are going through difficult times and to give you all the glory even when we are struggling because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.